you. What about this one for my nephew? A superb choice. Oh, great. Yeah, provided he has already read Infinite Crisis and 52 and is familiar with the reestablishment of the DC multiverse. Who am I? Cypher? The gayest X-Man? I recently read this novel called Watchmen. I've never read a comic book like this. I used to read Betty comics, but that's it. I've never read, like, real, real comic books. This worked my out. Excellent! Hello, hello, hello. This is Chris and Eric's Songbox Adventure. I'm Chris. And I am Eric. This week is week four of Spectacular Spider Month. And once again, my picks are halfway cheating. Because I'm once again not having us talk about Spider-Man himself, but instead the goopy, goopy symbiotes. Specifically this week, we are going to be discussing Carnage by way of the 2021 four-issue miniseries Carnage Black, White, and Blood, which was one of a series of anthology titles that Marvel put out around that time period wherein each issue contains multiple short comics by different creative teams with the one unifying factor being that they have to adhere to the same color palette of using nothing but white, black, and red. I read this back when it first came out, but I believe this was your first time because you do not like Carnage at all. Is that correct? Carnage is a dumb character. I said it. I, 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 he looks great. Like, it's an amazing design. And, like, the myriad ways it's been visualized over the years by artists, also great. There's a lot of really great looking shit in this comic series. But, like, my problem with Carnage is he is a serial killer who kills people because he likes killing people. There's no additional motivation to that with him. It's just like, oh, I like killing people, kill people. I'm able to kill people. So all he does is he shows up in a place, pulls out his knife hands, and knives civilians en masse until a superhero comes up and punches him in the face. And that's every Carnage story. And, like, the only kind of interesting thing you can do with Carnage is when you've got a superhero like Spider-Man who doesn't kill people, and a anti-hero like Venom who does and Spider-Man's like we can't kill Carnage because we don't kill and Venom can be like why don't we kill Carnage to stop him from killing people and then you can do that for nine issues and that's maximum Carnage but like if you think about really good like serial killer characters in, in other genres like the obvious Hannibal Lecter Hannibal Lecter kills and eats people who he finds rude. That's fun. On like on like the, the pure level, A Hannibal Lecter is terrifying in a way that Carnage kind of isn't because he's never able to kill anyone who matters because he's in a superhero comic. Has Carnage actually ever killed anyone who matters, even temporarily? Like, is he has he he's not killed a superhero ever, I don't think. Unless I'm very mistaken. Certainly none that are major enough that I know about it. And like, with you having read way more Spider-Man stuff than I have, 
if you don't know about him doing it, I think it's safe to say he's never killed anyone in a way that matters. Yeah, and so it's just like, he's already disadvantaged being a guy who was purely just about murder in a medium that doesn't really allow for murder to be a thing that happens, and when it does happen, last. But then he also doesn't have, like, another thing going on. Like, I've never found the hook that's like, okay, but why does he kill people? And the answer just seems to be, I don't know, he had a rough childhood, probably. And also, he likes doing it. He's like if the Joker had a completely different... Like, like actually, I mean, he is a Joker ripoff. But he's like if the Joker didn't have the funny angle. Because Joker's funny. And then Joker's up against Batman. And that visual dichotomy makes it much more interesting. Whereas... Well, and then Joker's got the whole, like, one bad day thing. Like, there's more going on with Joker than anything Carnage story I've read, where he's just like, I like killing because I like killing. Like, Joker normally eventually does seem to be trying to prove a point, which in his case is like, oh, anyone can snap the way I have. Carnage just wants to show up at a place and kill people with his knife hands until a superhero comes and punches him in the face, and that's your story. I, yeah. I'm, I'm repeating myself. I just... I don't get it. Beyond, he looks really fucking rad. I don't get it. So, this is one of those cases where I don't even really necessarily disagree with much of anything that you said. So much as just the individual points of the same thoughts about the same thing just lead to us like one of us liking it and the other disliking it for basically the same reasons. <laughs> because with Carnage, it's like, you're absolutely right. You know, he's not a Joker type character. He, I don't think, has the sort of strength and motivation or really perfect archetypal opposition to another character to really work as like the main antagonist, you know, even though he probably is the closest thing that Venom has to one just by means of longevity. But, you know, like he's certainly never going to be one of Spider-Man's top, top villains for many of the reasons that you already stated of just like, this is a guy that just likes killing people, you know, and it's harder to make something philosophically interesting out of that in a superhero comic book, especially with the issue, like you mentioned, of like, oh, how often can you kill characters in these books in a way that is lasting and matters? But as just sheer visual spectacle, there's something I like about the character, which, you know, like you said, the design itself is just like all of the amorphous, shape-changing, sort of liquid sort of stuff that you have going on with the Venom symbiote, but then 
rendered in blood red and just sort of the like muscular fleshy goopiness of it all just looks cool you know his characteristic eyes the big mouth all that always looks great but the thing that sort of i think makes him appealing to me as a rogue figure is that he is so simple because you know for natural reasons understandable reasons a lot of everyone's favorite villains basically become anti-heroes and or vice versa you know there's a million and one antagonist characters where the reader is just like oh i sympathize because i understand how they got this way you know and like even if they're a villain they sort of have just a base humanity and their underlying backstory that sort of allows them to be endearing on some level, at least in some cases. Whereas with Carnage, I think, is sort of a nice break from the sort of last 30 years-ish of making so many villains into anti-heroes, you know? Just like, here's a bad guy that's just going to be a bad guy. He is not Sabretooth being thrown on the goddamn X-Men, you know? Like, this is just a villain. And I think he works as just, like, an occasional figure to fight in terms of just, like... He's like the boogeyman, you know? Like, his just sheer bloodlust is indefensible. There is no making a oh poor tortured Cletus Cassidy you know he's sort of representative of just the absolute worst most murderous selfish impulses that a person can have in terms of just here is a villain who cannot be reasoned with you know and do I necessarily think that he has a lot of great stories no honestly a lot of his comics are really fucking bad. A lot of symbiote comics in general really are. But I think just like the excellent design combined with the sheer just like, yep, this is just an evil, evil boogeyman. And we're never going to get like an unconvincing redemption arc is honestly part of the appeal to me. Does that make any sense? I get that. I just, I always wish that there was just, like, one other thing going on. I don't need to sympathize with him. I just need to, like, I, he doesn't, he's not fun enough to be this two-dimensional. Like, Modok. Modok is fucking hilarious. He's never gonna get a redemption arc either. But I, I will smile every time I see Modok. That's fair, yeah. And when Carnage shows up, because I read all those 90s Spider-Man crossovers, I'm thinking of you again, Maximum Carnage. I'm just like, oh, I'm about to get told how murder is good for 20 pages. Actually, can I tell you about my favorite Carnage story? Because we're never going to be able to cover it on the podcast because it's not a comic. Go ahead. Okay, so spoilers for a side mission of Spider-Man 2, the most recent video game, the PS5 one. But there is a side mission 
where you are investigating a cult of, like, people with flamethrowers who have been, like, attacking people in the streets of the city is, like, the random crimes that you can encounter. Um, and uh, you're explicitly as Peter in this, not as Miles. This is a Peter-only side mission. Um, and you wind up teaming up with Peter's former cop friend, now traumatized vigilante who is willing to kill Rafe, a Yuri Watanabe. Um, and she has figured out that the leader of this cult is this guy called the Flame, who she like had tried to catch back in her cop days, but he'd gotten away. And she's like, this time he won't get away, I'll kill the shit out of him. And so you know, through various side missions, you're mostly dealing with the Peter and Yuri relationship as they're having this conflict over how to vigilante. And, like, but because Peter has a genuine friendship with Yuri from back in the day, it isn't like when, say, Punisher and Spider-Man meet up, where it's like, just hit him, Spider-Man, and then he won't kill people. Because, like, he doesn't want to hit Yuri because he likes her. Um, And, of course, the flame... Who is the funky? Who is a redheaded, scrawny dude? Who is a cult leader? Um, who's like leading an apocalypse day, like doomsday cult that wants to burn the world down? Turns out to be Cletus Cassidy, and you he ne he doesn't get he gets he gets the symbiote, but like they're leaving Carnage full on Carnage for like another day is pretty clear by the end of it, but like. A, it's the best executed version of the, you know, Spider-Man and another superhero character who's willing to kill, debate whether or not they should kill Carnage argument, in part because Carnage doesn't have superpowers yet, so I'm, like, more on the side of Spider-Man of, you can lock him up, it's okay. Like, when it comes to, like, full-on Carnage, I'm, like, real world, if a guy had Carnage's abilities and all he ever wanted to do was show up at a public place and just murder everyone there, I'd be like, yeah, okay, maybe if that guy gets shot, it's all right. Like, I'm not all for it, but I get that on, like, that makes sense to me as a, as a possible solution, especially since this is, like, the 18th time this has happened. Whereas in the game, because he doesn't have his powers, it is just, like, you know, she's like, no, you don't get this I, got, I buy the conflict. He is so much more fun as a cult leader than he is as he normally is in the comics, either solo or hanging out with his weird family that he just talks weird family. First of all, he has an audience for his dumb rambles. Like when he's doing all of his dumb carnage rambling, it is A, more religiously themed, which I like as a vibe for carnage. And B, he is aiming it at his cult followers who you are currently beating up. He's also just a good video game villain, because you don't want, in a video game, the side mission villains cannot be that deep. You know, you can do a bit of that, especially, like, these games have very story-driven side missions where there can be a lot of character depth. A case in point, Yuri and Peter have, like, a very good, well-drawn-out conflict throughout this series of side missions. But, like, it's the best use of Carnage I've ever seen in something. I was like, oh my god, did I just enjoy this Carnage story? Did they just, like, have that symbiote turn red when he has, like, the vial with it in his hands and I got a little excited instead of just going, oh my fucking god, no, not this guy? 
and a lot of it's the cult leader stuff too because the aesthetics of a cult are creepy and like weird and the idea of carnage being a guy who actually does turn people to his cause and not just like shrieking doppelganger but like here's a bunch of fairly ordinary people who he's manipulating is that's that's much more interesting Fair. so yeah that's my favorite carnage story there's some good stuff in here though i also before we go into this i have been i'm very negative carnage generally there are some good stories in this anthology yeah yeah that mission in the game sounds interesting the cult leader aspect yeah also sounds interesting and in that it would give him sort of someone to bounce off of in a way that he often doesn't really have but i guess are we ready to dive into the anthology stories themselves yes okay so we're essentially going to just go in the order in which they are presented in the issues i will name the creators as we get to each story as opposed to doing a creator roll call right up top as we usually do because it just makes more sense this way in an anthology as opposed to listing 20 names up front you know but uh, yeah <laughs> for carnage black white and blood issue one we kick off with a story entitled love story this is by writer teeny howard artist Ken Lashley, and colorist Juan Fernandez. And I personally don't think this is a strong start. In terms of describing what's happening here, it's also kind of a pain because I don't think that the events are especially well depicted in terms of clarity but we essentially have Carnage mid-battle with just like Spider-Man and some other superheroes. It's set during Maximum Carnage. Yeah, and he's like having, I guess, flashbacks or at least visions to... Let me find this name. Um, Lucius Marius... Does it specify here somewhere what specific ancient civilization this is? Based on the name, I would say Rome, but it really is not specific enough in the art for me to... It looks Conan-y. Yeah. And it's just like these visions of this other murderous guy, like murderous like Carnage, who takes down a bunch of opposing soldiers, makes his way into the city he's attacking, and ends up finding this, I'll simply call her Wicked Woman and her child. And something is clearly amiss. The bundle gives way to a symbiote who takes him over. And there's sort of this mirror between the ancient carnage and this woman. And 
Carnage and Shriek in the present day in the midst of the fight. And there's some monologuing from Carnage about just like light versus darkness. And I just think it's a muddled mess. Like, you know, you could argue to some extent, maybe this is partially intended to be not entirely clear in terms of elements of the visions, et cetera, et cetera, what is true, et cetera. But I don't think the storytelling is particularly exciting. I don't think it is successful in terms of being like, here I am reading ambiguous events, but the way in which they're being presented is clear in terms of what I'm supposed to get out of it. So much as it just feels like the choices and what images to depict and like what event to jump to, etc., just feel a bit rushed and questionable. This one definitely feels like it's straining against its page count. What do you think? I think that we literally opened this anthology of Carnage stories with like an extra chapter of Maximum Carnage, uh, which like I keep bragging on, but it's just because that was one of the toughest things to get through in my big Spider-Man read through back in the day. And this is just, I mean, listen, Teeny Howard clearly wanted to write like a bit more Maximum Carnage. And I mean, she nailed it. It's got all the problems of maximum carnage. I don't know what to tell you. It it's it is it just feels like, oh, here's Carnage's aimless rambling about like love and violence. But like I I have never bought the Carnage Shriek thing as like a relationship. They don't make any sense to me. And it's also really weird to me that this is a story which is I guess maybe about how they're in love, but even the character who is standing in for Shriek, never mind Shriek herself, like doesn't show up for several pages. Like half of it is Shriek and Shriek's stand-in character three, which is super weird because I think this is supposed to be about like them, maybe? I think that this would have been a lot better if we didn't worry about tying it into a moment in continuity, which is going to come up a couple more times. I didn't expect any of these to be things that were in continuity. Like, I expected some stuff to be, like, vibes-wise, you know, like, oh yeah, here's a Spider-Man, here's Carnage, you know. But, like, a surprising number of these stories are, like, in canon, and it's so weird. And this is the first one, and I'm just like, Oh, okay. No, thank you. I, I was I'm generally more of a Teeny Howard fan than you are. And uh this is like the least favorite thing of hers that I've read. Yeah, which like in the story, but also just across the character's history in general, the Shriek relationship has always been a bit fraught, I'll say. Because part of the issue with the character is that by nature of his personality and his selfishness, it's difficult to really get him a consistent supporting cast to help sort of flesh him out by way of the way that he interacts with them. 
you know? So, like, the idea of giving him a ongoing love interest has always just seemed questionable to me, you know? Like, the idea of carnage of all characters ever being, like, and she was his queen, and God forbid anyone who fuck with his queen. I just don't think it works. At least not here. No, and that's like the third thing they ever did with this character. Like, Maximum Carnage is him and Shriek, and Demo Goblin, and Doppelganger, and um, I think Carrion, like, forming a weird little murder family where they just want to kill people. And they keep saying that they're a family. And I'm like, are you? You all met yesterday. You just all like killing. <laughs> Some of you for very different reasons. Like Demo Goblin wants to kill evil people. And he's just like, oh, well, more people will die. And he considers just everyone evil. But he's like, oh, I'll just get rid of all the minor sinners first, I guess. And help Carnage kill. Like, it doesn't. That's a complaint about that story. But like, this is just, it just feels like more of that story. Because it, it kind of just is. Yeah. I don't really know how much I have to say beyond I just, I don't even get what it's aiming at, but it doesn't work for me at all. Yeah. It looks okay. Yeah, I don't think it looks bad. I don't think it's really a standout in the series either, but... No. I think there's worse. I think the opening shot of Carnage looks pretty good, of just the whole, like the symbiote is sort of like sagging and their skin exposed of just like, you know, that classic venom just got hit by the sonic gun sort of imagery of the symbiote sort of sloshing around. I think that looks nice with regards to the nature of like the visions of the past. I think that was part of my main problem because it sort of left me going are these things that he's just absorbed through the whole, like, symbiote hive mind, you know, if all of that sort of null or collective species memory stuff, because it wouldn't work to be like, oh, it's the same symbiote, because Carnage was born off of Venom in the modern day. And it doesn't really explain any of that. You know, and like, I'm fine with, and some of her stories later in the series do this. I'm like fine of just like sort of like taking the visual motifs and base ideas of the character archetypally and sort of putting them in a different setting and then just like not worrying about it. Like that itself doesn't bother me. But it's the fact that it sort of brings these continuity questions in a story that seems like you've been saying so heavily entrenched in an actually already published story that it just is bizarre to me. Yeah, I don't get it. I, I just... I think he's telling Cloak the story that we're seeing. And I'm a bit like, Cloak... Cloak, how is he able to talk this much? Punch him in the face already. You know? <laughs> that was kind of my problem with that whole story. So <laughs> I got like I have nothing else to add to this one. Yeah. They perpetually have him on the ropes enough that he's not killing them. 
but also not on the ropes enough that he can perfectly continue his narrative. But yeah, we can move on to End of the Trail. This is by writer Benjamin Percy of X-Force Wolverine and Wolverine the Long Night fame with artist Sarah Pacelli and Mattia Iacono as the color artist. And this is essentially doing the sort of thing I talked about a minute ago of just like taking the visuals of Carnage and putting it in a different setting wherein we essentially get a Western Carnage story of an old out West lawman following a trail of animalistic seeming murders across the West until he tracks down the symbiote and fights it. What did you think of this one? Oh, I like this one. This one's solid. Um, well, he doesn't just bite it at the end. At the end, he becomes Carnage and winds up being like Carnage riding around on a Carnage horse, which I think is great. Um, I love Sir Pacelli's art, which like is probably the, the big boost here for me. Um, I've always really liked Pacelli's art since um, she co-created Miles Morales, which is where I first met her. So, you know, I'm looking at this and like, oh, this looks great transposing it to a western setting i'm like okay great this is far more what i was expecting coming in where we're doing something different with the aesthetics of the character because we only have eight pages what are you going to do tell an in continuity story with characters that we're gonna have to like reference back to in the future or are you just going to be like okay carnage what do people like about carnage do that and whenever these ones sit down and they're like okay well we'll do a like dark little carnage horror story with a shocky, shocking ending. I'm like, yeah, I mean, this is essentially a horror anthology because it's a carnage anthology. This makes sense to do. Um, The Western setting's really fun and different. Carnage works shockingly well as, like, in, in the, like, form of one of those you know, Billy the Kid style outlaws. Was it Billy the Kid? Who is it that, you know, the, the outlaws who are just going around killing, the kind that we keep seeing whenever we cover, um, <laughs> whenever, uh, whenever we cover Rawhide Kid? I can't really remember what Billy the Kid did specifically, but I know the sort of character you're talking about, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I thought this one looked pretty well. I, I like this one. I don't think it's great necessarily because it is i mean it, it it sort of is a carnage story, but it's also playing carnage formal as a like monster in the dark as well like when we finally do get the confrontation with carnage it's far more like meeting a wild animal than meeting a per a person you know he doesn't do the carnage thing of rambling on for several pages about like how killing's great which huge win yeah, letting the visuals speak for that aspect of the story. I really dig this one. I agree. I think this one is fun. I think part of what helps this one and other ones we'll talk about that sort of 
veer into other genres and not just superhero fights is that it allows it to break away from the problem we talked about earlier of just like mainline carnage not being allowed to kill people in a way that matters you know because if he's not fighting spider-man and it's just here is a one-off story with characters we'll never see again then he is allowed to be a viable threat in a way that he often isn't which really helps i think the animalisticness of it also really helps in sort of just like highlighting that bestial non-human motivation or i guess i should say maybe more accurately like not really being tied to specific philosophical or ideological motivations you know just like this beast in the literal dark of the cave lurking around as a red shadow i believe there's like a bit of narration where he's like compared to like a bear attack or something like that i think it's a really good use of the character the final splash page of Carnage on the Carnage Horse is fun. But my favorite is right before that, on the page before it, we get a final panel of the lawman, now possessed, standing next to his horse in silhouette. So it's just like these black forms on red backdrop as we just like see the outline of the tendrils reaching out over to the horse to infect it as well and i think that's a really effective image yeah that's really great too i mean just sarah pichelli's really killing it the uh the first like full well both of the early glimpses we get of carnage one where we see like the face of the previous host where it looks kind of like a normal human face um even where the carnage symbiote is partially covering it and it's just like red sort of goop spreading but it's not like it's not turning him into carnage visually in that panel i think looks really good and then when carnage is just this like vague red shape in the dark of the cave on the bottom of i have page numbers uh when like the lawman's entering the cave for the first time, the like first time glimpse we get is just this red like shape of a man with the two white eyes, and that's it. There's no like further detail on it because it's that obscured by the darkness. Yeah, a lot of it is just the art for me on this, but I think the story is also like good enough and is a good like reworking of the character. I agree. Yeah. After that, the final story in issue number one is You Are Carnage by writer Al Ewing, John McCrea on pencils, and once again, Mattia Iacono on the colors. And this is essentially a choose-your-own-adventure book in comic form across... 10 pages the first couple pages provide the basic setup for what's happening in the plot and then after that you start having to contend with 
the captions that give you your choices of what to do and they'll tell you what panel number to proceed to based on your choices and each panel has a convenient big numbered circle in the top left corner so you sort of have a bit of leeway in terms of how you want to read it and in what order you want to skip around etc and it's kind of a game in that way Plot-wise, the basic premise is that you are a government soldier type who has been tasked with being the symbiote's new host, and you have to try and resist its bloodthirstiness, and how successful you are or not determines how fucked up the events get. What did you think of this one? This is my favorite one. This fully executes the premise of doing something really different. Like, this just takes... I mean, it takes the premise of the Agent Venom series, which is my favorite, like, Venom comic, Um, is the Agent Venom series about Flash Thompson that this is explicitly referencing. And is like, okay, but with the Carnage symbiote, because that symbiote's, like, infected by Cletus Cassidy's insanity or whatever, that won't work out very well. Um, so if you actually play the game where you're rolling 1d6 for your willpower points and um, every time you force the symbiote to obey you, you lose another willpower point, you can't even make it halfway through the story before you lose control of the symbiote because you just run out of willpower. <laughs> like, I, I tried doing it and I did a count and I was like, I'm just going to assume that I pass every roll. And I was like, okay, well, I just had to roll, which means I force the symbiote to obey me, which means I lose a willpower point. And then the next thing that happens is, oh, I have to do it again, deduct another. I'm like, oh, oh. Uh, and then, hey, you don't get to the good ending. So I really love that if you just, like, oh, glancing at this as a normal comic you have the good ending. You can look at it and you're like, oh, look, you can win this. You can have a good ending where you become America's newest superhero, Carnage. But that's not possible. And, like, gamifying it that way I think is really great, but also because of the gamification, it's hidden. Like, the the trap where you can't actually succeed is hidden unless you take the time to play the game. Yeah. As I tried to make my way through it, I'm bad at keeping track of numbers and things in my head. So admittedly, I'm not the best at it. But I was like, is this literally impossible? Or is there just one hyper-specific route where you can barely manage it? But yeah, regardless, naturally, there's no controlling carnage. It starts out with you like having to roll a die to determine how many willpower points you even have. And it's never enough. We just see him beating the hell out of whatever he comes across, whatever way you go. There's a panel of just like, oh, I've gone to the hospital and now I'm in the maternity ward and he's going to literally eat babies. And if it's not that, it's him versus the Anamen, who he can commit as much 
spine ripping violence as he wants to upon them because they look like cartoon animals and therefore it's relatively not too vicious compared to if we were depicting human deaths and yeah I don't think I liked it as much as you did but I give it credit for being one of the most ambitious things here at least as someone who doesn't find carnage compelling I'm like, okay, whoever goes the most insane with, like, I have to do eight pages of Carnage, what do I do? This is the most insane option. This is the, this is the, I'm just going to do something wild option. It's exactly what Al Ewing would do. Uh, We have yet to cover Al Ewing on this podcast, which feels somewhat overdue. I will say it's very Al Ewing to be like, oh, I'm going to have him fight the Animan. I mean, what a pull. (laughs) Who even thinks about those guys anymore? Yeah, it feels like a perfect choice for this, though. Like, who is both so irrelevant that I don't need to worry about what I'm allowed to do? And also, who can I have Carnage dismember in a way where it can be gruesome, but removed enough from reality that it's not entirely taking away from my roll the dice role-playing game sense of fun yeah and i think the art works too like it's a very sketchy um style when it comes to the inking especially it's like very sketchy sort of scribbly inks but i think it really works um you know as you said the cartoon way the violence is depicted keeps the tone light enough that the gamification still works yeah, like there's not a lot to say. I just I like how different this is. I like how actively just trying to do something bizarre with this this story is doing. The artistic aesthetic fluidity also just feels really appropriate to how much the eye is moving around the page even more than in a standard comic reading because you're constantly flipping back and forth. And then just, like, the literal malleability of the reality of the events, depending on what choices you make. Yeah, I... I, This one's great. Yeah. With that said, are we ready to move on to issue two? Yeah. So, issue two starts off with Carnage Shark by Donnie Cates, who, at this time was known for his very popular run on the Venom title. And he is paired with artist Kyle Hotz and color artist Rachel Rosenberg. And this essentially opens up with one of the most immediately arresting images across the issues of the titular Carnage Shark of just the symbiote haven't taken over a gigantic fucking shark and it then sort of morphs into carnage going back to his regular self and venom attacking him in swarms because it's tying into the Kate's era continuity of Eddie Brock sort of becoming king of the symbiotes and one of the hive mind and all of that sort of shit. And basically, I think that this just 
gets less interesting as it goes and as it leaves behind the literal carnage shark. What do you think? I have never been more disappointed than the story opening with Carnage is a shark. And then within three pages, Carnage is just regular Carnage again. And now all of a sudden we have, instead of what I thought was going to be a, like, Jaws riff, but with Red Goo Monster Shark, we got a continuity-heavy, like, tying in, I guess, explaining what's happened to Carnage post- Eddie Brock becoming the symbiote god, I think, or whatever the hell happened in The King in Black. I didn't read it. I I I'm just like, oh, you really had me. You really had me for a page. I'm like, let's just have some fun. Carnage is a fucking shark. The art on the Carnage shark is, like, not what I would have immediately visualized when you say Carnage shark, but it's great. It's so over the top. And ridiculous. Like, Kyle... Holtz is just having a lot of fun adding as many, like, funky little details. Like, this isn't how, like, Carnage normally isn't, like, spiky like this. You know, normally he's very slick and smooth. But, like, I don't fucking care. That shark looks great. But the shark's just gone so quickly. And that was the selling point for me the literal title too yeah I, I i saw carnage shark and i was just like oh i remember seeing the picture of the shark on the internet it was the one thing that got me to think about maybe looking at this and then i was like oh wait no it's still carnage i don't want to look at it <laughs> and unfortunately this story goes from being hey you'll like this to hey here just just have a regular carnage story about him losing really badly to Venom. But I'm still not entirely clear what the status of Carnage is at this. I I have read more recent Carnage comics than this because he unfortunately had yet another like event based around Carnage that poor Miles Morales got dragged into. So I had to read the Miles issues of that. And I was just like, yeah, there's something going on with Carnage right now, but I don't fucking care. Poor yeah. Miles just had to deal with Carnage for two issues. Yeah. This one just feels like a missed opportunity to me. Yeah. I, I just wish that it was just Jaws, but the shark is Carnage. Would have been perfect. Could have been one of the bad Jaws sequels. Still would have been fun. Yeah. It is followed up then by... My Red Hands by writer Chip Zdarsky and artist Marco Cicchetto. And this is my personal favorite story in the series. It is essentially about a young boy who is being abused by his stepfather. The stepfather is abusing the whole family. His beat the wife into submission. The wife, the boy's mother... And throughout the course of the story, we essentially find out that the stepdad was formerly one of Cletus's guards in prison, and he has been keeping Spider-Man trapped in the barn for Cletus to torture as he will. And he's just been like, 
stay out of the fucking barn kid and telling his kid to keep away. But Carnage is essentially talking to the boy is like the literal monster in the closet, but is a creature of comfort for the boy because he listens to him when no one else does, as he tells him about things of his dad and everything. And Carnage just wanting carnage and murder obviously is not actually loyal to this man. And so essentially tries to entice the boy into using his power and just events unfold with the carnage boy killing the father and then going out to the barn and this sort of struggle interior struggle of is the boy going to give in and also kill Spider-Man using the symbiote powers. He resists while Spider-Man then he like helps set Peter free to then go fight Carnage. And we essentially end on this closing narration from the boy as he's just sitting alone in the snow, and I'll just quote, it wasn't about getting power. It was about getting power back. Why would I kill Spider-Man when all I want is to be left alone? And the final panels show the return of a creeping red tendril coming right back up against the boy because he has not escaped. What did you think of this one? Oh, this one's great, too. This is my second favorite. Um, you Are Carnage kind of just wins because the format is so different and interesting. Uh, but this, in terms of, like, a story, this is the best story. And this is also, like, the way to make what Carnage does matter is to have characters who are the main characters of the story who he can do things to that matter. Like, in terms of this story, Spider-Man is not the main character, and so Carnage gets to have an effect on this boy's life that he never could have on Peter or on anyone Peter knows. And it just makes him work so much better. I love the visual of him being the boogeyman in the closet. You know, I love the idea of, like, it's very... um. I always say this about anything with a kid and a friendly or seemingly friendly monster, but it's very Pan's Labyrinth. Like, this terrifying thing is the one thing I can be fucking friends with, so I'm friends with it. Yeah. The Red Barn. Like, I mean, obviously, you know, there's no color other than red, so in all of these, the red is very visually arresting, but, like, the redness of the barn in this one especially, just really stands out. I think it's just an even more saturated red than the other stories are using. It helps that the red in Carnage Shark right before this is more of a red-orange. So when we get a pure red when we turn the page into this story. Although there's also, over the like black and white, there's actually a, a blue filter, which I think also enhances the redness. Like, this isn't really strictly a black and white and red comic that 
definitely it's more red and blue. I also really love the choice for when Spider-Man shows up that the only red is his blood. Like his his classic suit, the bits that should be red, are not red. Because the red is thematically the blood and Carnage, who is made of blood. And the barn. Because the things that are red are the things where it matters that they're red to the story. Yeah, I think this is one of the strongest stories in terms of coloration and the way that the limited palette is used. The whites and the blacks are really good in terms of just like the black is the deep shadow of the night or the corner of the room, the shadows from which Carnage creeps along. And then with all of the whites, you get just like the expanse of the snow. This is specifically all happening like in a rural looking home in the midst of a snowstorm. So the white expanse is a perfect visual contrast for the shadows. And then, yeah, the red being limited to just carnage blood and then the barn so that it is limited to the most linked sinister aspects of the story works really well you know if also just like the whole like the barn as danger and the forbidden and just like the whole dad doesn't let me go here aspect of it we get really great facial expressions, character expressions in the art here, especially with the main character, the boy. I think this does one of, if not the best job in the anthology series of really using Carnage and just like the ideas of the character in interesting thematic ways because even though he's not the main character, just like the way that he interacts with the boy sort of lets us get at some of those ideas about killing and sort of lets us contrast Carnage against victims and that idea of Carnage as a abused child or whatever you know, wherein we sort of get like, you know, just like the whole stepfather murder and just the whole like, well, who could you possibly blame least for killing someone? Probably an abused child, killing their abuser, you know, but then just like the moral fights and the kid not just giving in to that sort of I have been wronged and instead choosing to, like, use the claws to slash Spider-Man free of what's binding him. And it's all just this really great interior drama highlighting how isolated the child is, no matter who he's surrounded by, wherever it be the family or the Carnage symbiote or Spider-Man at the end. I just think it's really, really good. Yeah. Yeah, this is, as I said, this is, in terms of, like, the ones that are just telling a story, this is easily the strongest one. 
Yeah. I also really love the visual for like the partially carnished up kid. Like when he's got Brandon and the tendrils are coming from Carnage and are just sort of gripping him. And they're coming up around his face and like a little bit into his mouth and around his eyes. And then obviously he's just got the blood red claws. It's really effective. Those are all great, yeah. And like have essentially said this and acknowledging how good the art is, but I'll just specifically note drawing children is hard and this pulls it off. Chiquetto pulls it off, you know, like this boy does not look just like a weird short adult. He looks very different from the adult figures, but is still well drawn. There's just like a great rendering the difference between someone younger and someone older which some unfortunate comic art does not do and instead is terrifying in its failure to do so yeah um i i agree kids are really hard to draw so anytime someone does it well i'm like oh hey you just need to be put on all of the comics with kids they need to stop letting artists who can't do it anywhere near comics with kids in them. Yeah. Alright, Chetto for the new uh, power pack. Yeah. Following this up, we have My Name is Carnage by Ram V and Javier Fernandez. This is like the Western one in that it's another sort of remote setting story. It is specifically about a expedition team looking for a downed meteorite in the snowy frigid expanses of Alaska and is essentially about them being picked off one by one by what the locals refer to in a way that makes it seem sort of like a folkloric creature but in the story is Venom. Carnage. I think. Sorry, I, I said Venom. Yeah. yeah. Carnage. Um, is Carnage. And I think it's probably like in the upper half of stories in the anthology, but I don't love it. I like the idea of it. You know, I like, again, the remote setting, like the Western one, it sort of allows carnage to be more of an animalistic force the folkloric aspect of it is good there's also just like the twist of oh possession and all of that but i think it's simply too short in its page count to really effectively render the sense of the group being picked off one by one like it's largely via flashback that we're informed that's happened and we're basically starting off at the very end already. So I don't think that the format lends itself to really drawing the thriller suspense out as well as it could, but I at least like the basic idea. What about you? Um. Yeah, I like this one. Uh, I, I agree, it's upper half on, like, the concept being strong alone. I like how anytime they pull Carnage out of a more traditional Marvel setting with these stories, 
they're immediately like, oh, okay, so Carnage is the Wendigo. Because that's what this feels like. It's like it's not the same myth, obviously, but this this is in uh Alaska, so I don't know enough there. But like it's it's that kind of idea where like you get you kill a Wendigo, you become the Wendigo next. Which you know, the Western story and this are both like dealing with like that idea to an extent. And the the monster in the woods. I think that's a very effective thing to do with Carnage. I really like the art in this one. I like the way the artist is drawing. Um, just like the shadows, especially, and like silhouettes on characters' faces when they're um, like when there's light around them. Yeah, I think it's a decent story. With that said, are we good to head into number three? Yep. So issue three kicks off with No Survivors by Dan Slott and Greg Smallwood. For me personally, I think this is another standout good story in the series. It is essentially about Carnage murdering everyone in a club with the exception of one survivor who sees in the newspaper after the event is unfold an interview of Cassidy as he was being taken into custody in which he says, I never leave anyone alive. I got all of them. You'll see. They're all dead. They just don't know it yet. And then the events of the rest of the story essentially involve the survivor sort of feeling like he's losing his mind and feeling like, oh, Carnage left a trace of himself inside of me. We get just like visuals of him coughing up a little blood and it being vaguely a teeny little Carnage face on the napkin or uh, tissue that he coughed up into we get, like, the carnage face for a second on the screen when he's getting medically evaluated, but then when the doctor looks, it's gone. We get a lot of that. We get the Venom voice. Uh, we get the carnage voice. We get the carnage voice in his head talking to him and ultimately ends up with the man killing himself and then an epilogue of someone asking Cletus in prison how he pulled this one off. And him saying that he has no idea what the person asking is talking about. To then, you know, leave it up to your discretion of, did this man actually go crazy? Is Cletus bluffing? But I think this one's strong. It's another sort of like, it sort of has Carnage abstracted as a threat, as just, like, a potential thing inside this guy's body and, like, the whispering voice, but not, like, superhero action, punch-punch, you know? And I think that Smallwood's art is very visually arresting and just is pleasing to look at. What about you? 
I specifically messaged you when I was reading these, and I said I am annoyed by how good the dance slot one is. Because, you know, I got to the first page of this where it says all the different creators for the stories, and I saw Dan Slot, and I was just like, oh no. <laughs> Not because I hate Dan Slot's work overall. I just, I normally wind up not enjoying it. But this one's really good. <laughs> this is up there. I, I, I think also part of it, what it is, is Dan Slot really needs to work with a really great artist who I think maybe fixes the problems with the way he writes, maybe. Because every time he works with a really great artist, I always love it. Maybe he just, like, saves his best stuff or whatever. He's got a really good artist lined up. I don't know. But I thought this was great. I thought that, like, doing this approach to, like, cut to focusing on the effects Carnage has on an ordinary person is the only way to make Carnage work for me as a character, especially when you're, like, working within the regular continuity, and, which this is, this could just be set after any, I'm, actually, it's slot, I guarantee you he knows exactly which, like, Carnage attack this is that we see at the beginning where Spider-Man and the Human Torch team up to fight Carnage. I guarantee you he could tell you that issue number. He's that kind of guy. And so this guy, I mean, I think he's just insane. I I think that he is deeply traumatized and seeing that in the newspaper, he's having like PTSD and um, survivor's guilt out the wazoo. Uh, I love that he has looked up symbiotes and also, like, remembers what he saw during the fight, and he's noted down the different weaknesses. So, obviously, he's first off just, like, starts playing music, like, incredibly loudly to try and kill whatever bit of symbiote he feels like he's got on him. But, like, he's overloaded the system with the number of speakers he's set up as an attempt to kill it. So, he decides that the only thing that could actually kill it now is fire so he just winds up killing himself in the fire i also really like the way ben Yurik is characterized because uh, the reporter that he talks to is ben Yurik, who is like a classic spider-man and daredevil character and the way that he you know while investigating the fire at the end realizes who the guy was and like spider-man had tried to save him and he had just run back into the fire and refused to be saved and intentionally burnt himself to death. And he realizes and is like, oh, don't worry, Spider-Man, this one's not on you. It like as like the final beat of the story, I think was really strong. Well, before, of course, the beat with Cletus, which is great and horrific. And I actually do believe Cletus here. I don't think he has a clue. I think that this story is even stronger if you're just like, this is just the effect that someone like Carnage has when you unfortunately wind up encountering him. I'm inclined to read it the same way, yeah. It's really good. Yeah, this one's great. I also love the choice of, like, certain panels are just entirely red, specifically the early ones where we're seeing the actual massacre and fight at the club, and then also whenever uh, the man is, like, specifically feeling like he's under attack by Carnage, and that Carnage is winning. The way that figures that are set up to help him, like the Doctor and the Psychologist, um, also have red on them, 
because he sees them as potentially a threat because of his paranoia. Also, just like really great color choices. This is great. Well done, Dan Slot. I'm still mad at you about Franklin Richards. Yeah. But moving on to the next story, we have Sea of Blood by writer Carla Pacheco, Chris Mooneyham on art, and once again, Mattia Iacono on the colors. This is basically just Carnage versus Venom as possessed pirates fighting piratey ship battles with symbiote powers on the sea this was another letdown for me i don't think that the execution is fun enough for what could have been another enjoyable story in terms of just like moving us into once again a different locale a different setting i don't think it's horrible but it just never takes it there in any specific direction enough for me. It's never silly enough. It's never cool enough. It just feels very half-baked. The pacing feels a bit weird. Like the first several pages feel like it really takes too long to get moving, which when you barely have any page time to work with is a problem. What about you? I think some of the art looks nice, but this is very low on the rankings for me. I agree. I just, there's not enough there. Yeah. The final issue in the story then is The Convention by Alyssa Wong, Gerardo Sandoval, are the writer and penciler, inker Victor Nava, and Eric Arseniega on Colors. And this is about there being a carnage-worshipping cult at a comic convention, and carnage sneaking his way in, and the cultists attempt to kill him as a sacrifice before he's just like, lol, I'm the real thing. And then he kills them. And that's about it. What did you think? I I don't even know what this was going for, frankly. Like, in a universe where superheroes exist, and this is a problem I have with, with several things, why the fuck are there Comic-Cons where everyone dresses up as superheroes? The MCU's been doing this lately, too. I'm like, this is weird. It's weird. In-universe, that's weird. That's an actual serial killer, guys. You're publicly going around just as an actual serial killer. He's not fucking Freddy or Jason or somebody. But it's like this mass event and no one is like pissed at this guy dressed as Carnage who turns out to be Carnage. And there's like three other ones. It's like going to a real-world Comic-Con and you're just like, oh, look, it's all, like, eight people who've come dressed as fucking Deadpool, and they're here to be annoying, but it's Carnage. And in-universe, you're like, Carnage killed my dad, so what the fuck? I am pessimistic about general human behavior that 
I would fully see people doing this, but the story's not really successfully pulling off anything for me tonally because like describing the synopsis, I felt like I was describing something that's supposed to be a comedy. The story's not funny, but it's There's also no not like, it's not like effective social commentary either about, you know, any of the obvious issues with this that you raised. It's just sort of a dud that doesn't really convey anything to me. Yeah, I don't know. I This to me feels like someone went up to Alyssa Wong and was like, you're doing eight pages of Carnage. And Alyssa Wong was just like, um, I have no Carnage thoughts whatsoever. I don't know what to do. And then the Marvel people just shrugged and said, well, you're doing eight pages about Carnage, so do something. I don't know. It, yeah, it just, I this one's just here, and I read it, and I was just like, um, uh, okay, <laughs> sure, fine. I, I, I wish it was funny. Maybe if it was funny. I, I am waiting for one of these to be a comedy. And this is the one that feels like maybe it's trying to be a comedy, but it doesn't have jokes, so it does. It's not funny. And even earlier this episode, I talked about liking like culty carnage, but we're not getting culty carnage. We've got like weird people who are into Donny Cates's Venom Run, who are here killing people, but they don't even read like a proper cult. Like it just doesn't work. Someone who's a fan of Sandoval in particular and his pencils, I don't think this really lets him show off his skill either. Like, I have read multiple things by him where I've really enjoyed the visuals and whether it's the concept, whether it's being rushed, yeah, it just doesn't feel like it's effectively letting him show off what he's good at so it's another disappointment for me yeah visually it didn't stand out to me at all but that leaves us with just issue number four left where things kick off with carnage beyond featuring writer ryan stegman artist joe bennett of immortal hulk fame and once again, Mattia Iacono coloring this. And this is another continuity-heavy thing involving stuff from the Stegman-Cates books. And if you don't feel the need to, I don't even feel the need to really summarize this. I just think it's boring. I think it's a bizarre choice in the anthology format like as opposed to again sort of taking the opportunity to do something different or unique it's just like let me fuck around in this hyper specific continuity for a moment and deliver just a really bland fight it feels like it's trying to do something character wise with Danny and I don't think it succeeds what about you I I was I didn't even understand what the fuck was happening. But it's like a bunch of alternate universe shit going on or something. And like different versions of Venom's kid. 
and one of them might be Carnage, but is also like the ultimate version of Venom's kid's mom, maybe? I don't know. Also, like, uh, uh, Joe Bennett's a fucking Nazi fuck Joe Bennett. He's done way better work than this in Immortal Hulk. Like, I guess this isn't bad, but like, when I saw one of these was drawn by Joe Bennett, I was just like, well, you know, Immortal Hulk looks great. And his body horror, and I'm sure that you could do something really nice with Carnage body horror. And frankly, it feels rushed. It doesn't look good. It doesn't feels have... really rushed. Yeah, Oops, yeah. Sorry. It it doesn't have the appeal or the like inventiveness of the way that the body horror was done in Immortal Hulk. Yeah. And yeah, the weirdness of the like hyper specific continuity moment. Um even weirder in that it is just like a sequel to, I guess, maybe it feels like three or four different, like weird venom stories from halfway through different people's runs. And I'm just like, you have eight pages. <laughs> what are you doing? And like you should not be expecting this book to be read by people who are necessarily reading your Venom run, like, wouldn't, isn't the target audience for all of these, like, anthology books, people who just, you know, want to pick up a nice-looking, interesting collection of short stories. I remember Carnage from when I read comic books in the 90s, and I just came back to the comic shop, and I saw this one on the shelf. That should be your target audience, right? Like, look at what we can do when we play around with this, and I, it's just confusing. This is even worse than Cottage Shark, in that I'm just, like, from beginning to end, I'm like, I don't even know who these people are. It's like, it was vaguely ringing a bell of, like, I knew what it was referencing from that Venom period, and I didn't care for the source material, I didn't care for this, going back to it, there are portions in the fight where, like, some of Venom's anatomy looks fucked up and not in a, I'm drawing the symbiote, you know, having inhuman malleability in the way that its body moves. Like, it, like, just looks like a fucked up rendering, like, of his back and legs. And, yeah, it does nothing for me to be like oh yeah should i care about this hyper specific thing not at all given the timeline of release of this this is probably one of the last things joe bennett ever drew for marvel and ever will draw for marvel because quite rightly they are never hiring him again um i yeah i feel like he got the note that he was kicked off of that like dumb kang the conqueror book halfway through being done with this and, like, just didn't fucking try. I don't know. I don't like it. It doesn't look good. I don't know what's happening. Maybe the story's good. I couldn't fucking tell you. I don't know what it's about. I'm gonna say no. I don't think the story's good. Next in line is Skin Deep by writer Declan Shalvey and Stephen Morey on art. This is another bad one for me. It's just about Cletus Cassidy walking around town, getting attacked by a symbiote, 
narrating to himself, realizing the symbiote is within him now. There's some dead bodies. I don't like the way the people are rendered. There's no unique take on the character. His face is sort of inconsistent in the way it's rendered at points. This one also just feels really rushed to me and like nothing of a story. What about you? It's trying to be Carnage via Taxi Driver, which I think is an interesting concept, but the execution's really lackluster. But, like, based on the opening page, I was like, okay, we're doing, like, Cletus Cassidy is the main character from Taxi Driver. I get you. Okay. And then it just doesn't work. It doesn't do that well. So, yeah. No, I, I, I didn't, I didn't like this one. The final story in the issue, and thus the final story in the whole series, then is titled "The End of Humanity" by Ed Breeson, writer, artist Scott Hepburn, and colorist Andreas Mosa, and this is a sort of post-apocalyptic future story about a band of human survivors just sort of trying to stay alive. And one of them comes across a vial of red carnage goo in ruins. He opens it up. Carnage takes him over. He kills the rest of the group. And it ends with him making his way toward what looks like sort of a last bastion of humanity type safe city you know to just rain hell on what little of humanity is left i've talked in this episode about liking putting carnage in different settings i don't think the execution here is very strong either there's sort of a running thing about the survivors finding various old superheroes and characters' equipment and such, but nothing really interesting is done with it. For a post-apocalyptic story, there's nothing really interesting about that status or the human spirit or anything like that. The art is lackluster to me. Just unremarkable. I just really get nothing out of it. What about you? When you say, like, post-apocalyptic carnage story to me, I'm like, oh, like Mad Max? But the answer is no, just sort of, like, alternate bad future comic book universe. Like, it's such a boring fucking, like, hey, this is a bad future thing. And, like, it, it is carnage in a different setting, but it's trying way too hard to still be the Marvel Universe. Like, the ones of those that have really worked have been the ones where they have abandoned everything but the basic visual signifiers of Carnage and he kills people. Like, the the Western and the, um, like, those stories worked because they didn't, they fully bought into the new genre and they just translocated Cletus completely into it. Whereas... This feels weirdly like an attempt to do 
you know, uh, here's twenty ninety nine, but it's like fifty ninety nine, and everything's a wreck. It, it, like it's too superhero-y for it to feel like a real translocation. I, I I feel like if you just abandoned this attempt at like, oh, they're in like the Avengers Tower and he finds the goop, and the goop, you know, is still Cletus and talks like Cletus. Because, like, he and that symbiote are, like, the same. That's part of the comics continuity. And, and uh, yeah. Not a fan. It's just... It's there. It doesn't do enough with the idea for me. Yeah. I think the final issue here is really the dud of the series. Just going out on a whimper. But, yeah, that... That's Carnage, Black, White, and Blood. I think there's some fun stuff sprinkled throughout. I think it was fun to talk about Carnage for a minute, you know. Do you have anything you want to add before we wrap up for this week? No, just that, like, it's very funny to me that they saved literally the worst for last. I think my three least favorite stories are probably the last three Maybe Carnage Shock on my disappointment level that we didn't get, like, Carnage Shock NATO out of it. But, uh, yeah. yeah, hey, that's that's Carnage, everyone. Yeah. Next week, we have one more Spider-Man story to go for the end of January. So, what am I... What are we reading next week? My apologies. It's Amazing Spider-Man number 26. The the most recent one of those, the one where Ms. Marvel dies. It's bad. But hey, special guest, my wife. Yes, Shannon's first appearance. So uh, look forward to that. Sorry that we're ending on, like, I guess the last two issues that we read of Spectacular Spider-Man are both not good. Bit of a shame. Oh, well, <laughs> that's, that's what being a Spider-Man fan is like. In the meantime, though, thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Be excellent to each other.